this is Jeff Levy from uh, My Dog Brandy, um, our podcast. So make sure you grab um, some coffee or an iced tea or hopefully your, your favorite pal is there. So grab a, um, a bowl of water. And I have with me a distinguished guest. I have Dr. Stephen Margolis. He's a very good friend of mine. Um, he's got some stories that I think you'll find really entertaining. And, and really what we're talking about here is, and he brought this up when we talked the other night, is, you know, what goes through your mind when you're putting your dog to sleep? And how do you even decide um, when is the right time to put your dog to sleep? How do you make that decision? And the associated pain that goes through to do it. Now, I mentioned that I had put Brainy to sleep um, when I was in high school and he came back to life. Haven't told that story yet, so that's going to be an upcoming episode, and I have my dad talking about it as well. So this, I thought, would be a really good sort of precursor to it. Um, so, Steve, it's great to have you on, uh, on the podcast. Great to be with you, brother. <laughs> you forgot to mention we're Masons together. That's right. We, uh, we belong to the same lodge here in Newtonville. And I've known you, how long have I known you? Like 10 years. At least. At least yeah. At least 10 years. Yeah. Um, so, so you grew up in New York. What got you to come to Boston? Oh, sure. Um, I grew up in, in Brooklyn, New York, I'm proud to say. Um, and I did my... Um, uh, I, I did my um, undergrad at New York University, and then I did medical school at Columbia University, both in New York. And for residency, uh, surgical residency, I wanted to be a surgeon. I knew from the start. You know, I, I wanted to to go either to Columbia or Harvard. So I actually both down uh, for the match program. Anyway, that's another explanation of the match program. But I got into Harvard. So I did six, came, that's what had me come to Boston. I'd never been to Boston before. I hardly ever left um, New York State before. <laughs> the only places I would go would be to the islands, you know, Caribbean islands for vacation. Anyway. Um, so I did a six-year surgical residency uh, at Harvard, and I, that's where I met my, my wife. Uh, she was a nursing student, and um, I was an intern, and we fell in love. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been here ever since? I've, uh, Jeff, I've been here ever since. I want to leave, but I just can't go. <laughs> we won't let you leave, Steve. We won't let you leave. Well, I've been back to my precious New York to visit my parents and friends, and things have changed dramatically in six years. How? How have they changed? The boroughs, you know, my parents lived in Queens. I went to, you know, undergrad and medical school in Manhattan. Um, but even before I left, there was there were a lot of um, uh, transient people there, people who were homeless. Uh, there was a lot of crime, talking about like the mid-70s, 1970s. And Giuliani came and cleaned that all up. He made it 
you know, safe to walk at night, you know, which as a visiting New Yorker for people who are, um, you know, just tourists, you need to be able to be feel safe walking around at night. A lot of people are out there feeling safe, but before Giuliani, people were getting mugged and killed even, because uh, wow. trying to rob somebody. So anyway, so he cleaned that up. So anyway, yeah, so uh, my two daughters uh, lived together at Lower East Side uh, in Manhattan, which is um, a great, great location for young people. Um, and with the crime now happening in New York, it's sort of um, uh, ironic in a way. I, I left, I didn't go back to New York because of the crime, then my kids go there in this crime. <laughs> so, so I worry about it. I bought my kids little canister of pepper spray. <laughs> <laughs> I said, if you're gonna go out for a walk, both take these and use it liberally. Uh, liberally? Liberally. <clears throat> like even if you think you're being followed to use it, don't even question it. Don't, you can ask questions later, but if you have any suspicion, <laughs> just hit the guy and when he's down, hit him again, then you run. You know, give him a couple of squirts of it. And if, and if you by accident hit him, professor who's leisurely walking down the street. <laughs> what can you do? You're safe. You're, you're, you're at home at this point. That's great advice for everyone listening, Steve. Yeah, it is. They don't have a dog. It'd be great to talk about a dog, but my dog's story, I think, is um, interesting. And very, Please. Please. Very much um, educational. Uh, I... When uh, when I got we got finally got married and uh, we moved to uh, Newton where we lived we had this really nice uh, Victorian uh, house uh, in Newton on an acre of property which is unusual um, and and loved it you know uh, and we never we you know the kids never had a dog in the house so. We visited this pet store in Newton, and um, it so happens we visited because uh, the owner was a patient of mine. Oh. I'm a surgeon, and she I did some work on her, and she was telling me way back when I first saw her that if you're going to buy a dog, come to a place that buys a lot of dogs over the years because the breeders will peep treat them special. If you're buying uh, on a regular basis, they're going to give you the pick of the litter. Mm -hmm. And it made sense to me. She said that people will go travel to breeders all over the country and try to pick out a dog. But that breeder already took out the best of the dogs. <laughs> for, for the purpose of keeping happy the people that buy a couple of dogs a year from them such as her business. And she said to me, I'm not trying to sell you my business, but we get great dogs there because mm. of our relationship with breeders all over the country. So it made sense to me. So we went into her pet store 
And she had it set up that there was a um, plexiglass uh, enclosure and they had all these cute little dogs of different breeds, um, like running around uh, in there on like um, some sort of hay or something they put down. So in case they void or something, they could clean it easily. So we went in and it was a joy. The kids loved it, watching all the dogs. And there was one dog, uh, a small dog. He was, um, he, he, he was a silky terrier. They weigh about 12, 12 pounds and, and compared to a Yorkie that weighs like more like eight pounds. So anyway, this um, silky uh, dog was riding the back of a dachshund. <laughs> he was literally riding him while the dachshund was making his way around the pen they were in. And we called him the circus dog because it looked so... So we had to buy him, you know. The kids were laughing and they all loved him. And, um, and so we ended... We, we, purchased him and he, he ended up being he was a, he made us laugh a lot and we read that they have a sense of humor and um, but they were bred it was interesting they were bred to be in the hull of ships where the provisions are kept and their breeding was to kill rodents particularly rats down wow and the way they would do it would bite into their, the scruff of their neck and shake them vigorously to break their necks. Hmm. And they would just die that way. Sorry about that. That's okay. United States. <laughs> <laughs> I had someone from Indonesia <laughs> trying to sell me something. But anyway, so, um, so whenever we, we got him a toy, you know, uh, a little doll, of, I think it was another, became his favorite toy. And um, it was a replica of a dog, you know, and when he first saw it, he grabbed it by the scruff of its neck and started shaking vigorously. And it was like, holy cow, he's, that he's bred for that in his genes, you know, that he, he did that. Um, and um, so, and the other funny thing he did was um, I used to buy him, they, they, they have like pig's ears that yes. are either cartilage from the pig's ears. And it's a chew toy for the dogs. They love it. So every time I would bring it home to him and family would gather around because they knew in the past what he did with these things. He would look around with it, all around the room, to see where to hide it. Where, I guess where to dig a hole and put it in to hide it. But of course, there was nowhere to hide it there. So he looked around and, you know, he took his time. And he finally would put it in a corner of the room. Like in full sight, like, <laughs> we're thinking, does he think he's fooling us, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we respected that, left it there for him. And when, when we left him alone for a couple hours, he would be there chewing the toy, staying in the corner. So he was, he was just a little cutie. You know, everyone loved him. Um, 
and um, um, you know, it came time we didn't realize that they have a genetic defect. This breed hmm. that their forelimbs, the knees, give out um, the tendons that attach it uh, to you know the bones and a leg to attach to each other get loose and um, they can't support they turn like rubber and they can't support the weight of the dog so the poor thing gradually had to start walking on his forelimbs uh, which you know he he survived that way but he started crying a lot we realize he's probably in pain he oh. did cry before you know um, so we had to make a decision. We thought the humane thing to do would be to euthanize him at the veterinarian. And that was a tough decision. I mean, and I, I, I joined this podcast um, in speaking with you, um, developing a dog um, owner's podcast to, you know, to share uh, experiences that others may have or teach them things I learned. Um, um, Sushi has the first thing. Don't go to a well-established pet store uh, to get your dog. You go to, that's, that's it. But in, in regard to putting him to sleep, that was the hardest thing I ever did because I truly loved him. You know, he, he just was like a child to me. And uh, he would, you know, lick, lick me to death when I would roll around on the floor with him. Oh. He, he was just the cutest little thing. He rolled on his tummy for me to pat his tummy. He was cute. He was cute. And the thing was, too, you know, when you, we used to have to bring him in to get groomed, you know, every you know, couple of months or so, you get him in the car, he would shake like he knew he was going he wouldn't shake if we were going somewhere else. You know? <laughs> um, it was amazing, but somehow he knew. He knew. He knew. He knew. I, how we don't know. We made sure we didn't talk about it in front of him, <laughs> him, but that didn't help. He still was shaking. So yeah, I would soothe him down. It's okay, Toby. We're all right. Toby's name is Nay. I don't know if I mentioned his name is Toby. Um, and the girls, my daughters. Um, Got that from we bought him in October, so they said October, you know. So ah, okay. Couldn't think of a name, so Toby sounded great. So we all agreed. Anyway, so when it came the day to bring him to the vet, or I should say the day before, I went to J.P. Licks, which is a um, in the Boston area. You know, it's, uh, well known ice cream maker and I bought him a scoop of chocolate ice cream which we never let him eat ice cream you're not supposed to let a dog eat ice cream so the day before I got that for him and he licked it up like like crazy uh. I couldn't be more happy you know his nose got all chocolate <laughs> you know on it uh, chocolate ice cream on it because he like, put his face into it. And it made me more reluctant to go ahead with which we knew we had to do. Mm. It was a tough one, tough decision. 
because he, he, he was our child. And to make a decision to put your child to sleep, a child that is innocent and trusts you, here you're driving him to the vet to end his life. You know, to me, being a surgeon, you know, I, I know a little bit about, I know a lot about, you know, end of life patients. Not that I ended their lives in that system. <laughs> but, you know, um, it's, 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 it's a tough thing um, for people to grapple with, um, knowing they're going to die, you know, because we could resect the tumor all the way. And, and that's why I specialize in, by the way, uh, cancer surgery. So anyway, um, so at, at, at the vets, on the way there, he was shaking like mad, more than ever shaking, going for a haircut. How he knew he was going for the end, it's really, it's really was something. It was very noticeable. It wasn't, um, you know, something we we uh, just you know imagined or exaggerated. He was shaking, and then carrying him into bed, he wanted to get out of my arms. And, it was heart-wrenching, Jeff. It really was. It, it couldn't, and I'm sure anyone who's listening and had owned a pet that they had to make this decision. I mean, he was only, by the way, um, 12 years old at that point. We had him, you know, for almost the whole time. And um, anyway, so we bring him into the bed, and then we put him on the table, and it was a cold metal table, very clinical, and he want, didn't want to get out of my arms. And so the vet came in and he started to put a needle into a vein on his, on his leg. And I said to the vet, doctor, before you do, please allow me to take him out for a walk. I think he needs to pee. Because <laughs> he didn't pee yet today. And the vet looked at me like, like come on, are you serious? We're about to, it's going to be put to sleep in, you know, less than five minutes from now. And I agreed that maybe it was silly, but, you know, so anyway, so we went along with it. He put the IV in and, um, and I had to watch him, you know, die, you know, and, um, you know, I was holding him and cutt cuddling him and said, Toby, it's okay. It's okay. And, um, Daddy's here, you know. Um, anyway, yeah. So, but even up to the last minute, Steve, you thought of him as your dog. Even at the, you loved him up until even the last second. The last second, it was my like a child. I mean, a child who who. who the great thing about raising kids is the dependency on. And how it makes you feel as the master giving him good care. Because, you know, feeding him the right food and grooming him, taking Malcolm in a good place to sleep. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was just like, um, I, I wouldn't say just like killing my own child, but close to it. <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometimes I would like to kill my own kids, you know? <laughs> I never ever felt like killing Toby. Like, <laughs> yeah, he never 
gave trouble. He never talked back. He, he was, he was just, he was just a great, great little guy. And, um, and to this day, that was a couple, uh, two, two years ago or so. I still think about him. And I, and you know what, Jeff, what was really weird. The first, it was a while. Often I would hear at night when, you know, after we put him to sleep, I would hear, it sounded like his footsteps coming, you know, down on, on the uh, wooden floor, you know, at, at our place. I sounded like Toby coming, you know, I, think I was maybe half asleep and I thought, oh, Toby's coming in bed with me. And of course, you know, it wasn't. But, you know, it, it was, um, yeah, it, it was heart-wrenching. Um, it, it, it just was. Um, so I, you know, I don't know what else to say except I, I'd be interested to see if you get some um, communication from your listeners if they too had to grapple with such a problem or or in the middle of trying to um, decide. I'm sure both, Steve. I'm sure both. And and. From what I could see, you know, intellectually uh, wrangling with it and trying to put it in a position that we did the right thing, we know we did the right thing. You know, he was he was tormented, and there was no surgery for it. Um, there was nothing else we could do. So, so the decision really was fairly clear cut. You know, to see him every day crying and at night. You know, which he never did. He he cry at night. You know, and when I say cry, it would be you know like a a, a whining bark that's not unlike it was distinguished from you know a, a typical barking of excitement or barking at a stranger. But um, that was it was it was tough. So anyone who's trying to make that decision. And I'm sure they already thought about it. You're doing it for a good thing, helping him because it was he was living like miserably that way. Wow, I'm I'm getting a little feedback on the sound, Steve. I'm not sure if if there's anything. <clears throat> Maybe sit a little back or something. Do I have to tell yeah. the whole story again? No, no, that's better now. That's perfect when you sit back. Yeah, that's perfect. Right. Oh, no, no, I I didn't want to. Didn't that's an amazing. That's a touching story. Was Toby the only dog you had in your life? Or I think you had one growing up, right? Yeah, I had one as, as a kid when I lived in Brooklyn. And I have a good story about him, too. I, I Maybe we could save that for another broadcast. You sure? You, you're welcome to tell it now. Well, I have to um, put it together in my mind. Okay. Because um, his name was Ricky, and... The topic would be um, keeping a, a handicapped dog. Okay, well, handicapped. He, he, he was crossbred uh, by accidentally by an uncle who visited us, coming with his two poodles. One was a male and was a female. They were dog. Um, they were brother and sisters, and so the sister came to us pregnant. And um, Ricky was the only one in the litter, which wow. which usually 
you know, spells problems because it happens with humans too, that uh, nature will allow, wouldn't allow a, a, a live birth of, of uh, uh, defected children in the womb of the mother. You know, it's sort of weeding out uh, nature's way of doing it. So, so with Toby, he could have sight until he was one year old. So we took him, you know, when my uncle came and stayed a couple of weeks and we decided to keep him as a pet because we, you know, loved him. He was, he was a little black poodle uh, and a little like white patch on his chest and um, a white patch of hair, of course. And um, he, he, was, he was great. It was great. What happened, though? Do you want me to tell the story? Please, why don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Make what, yourself comfortable, and yeah, absolutely. What happened, though? He, he was as active as any dog you want to have. Now, and that was my first dog. Again, now I'm a child. You know, I was about 10, 11 years old when um, Ricky first came um, to, into our lives. Um, again, with my uh, my uncle's visit from, uh, he drove from Arizona actually across the country. And um, and I loved it, you know, I never had a pet before, you know. I think, um, you know, we had stray cats sometimes. Brooklyn knew a lot of stray cats, so I would take care of them, you know. Parents didn't like me bringing them in the house. <laughs> but, you know, I would say, it's winter. Gotta come in. You know, I bring them. Anyways. So uh, anyway, so so I had this dog for myself, and um, uh, in a, about a year old, he started bumping into walls mm. and bumping into uh, furniture, and we couldn't figure it out, and so. We brought him to the vet, and the vet looked in his eyes and said that uh, he has bilateral cataracts. And at that time in the 1960s, um, there was no offering of, you know, ophthalmologic veterinarians to take out the cataracts. So we thought, let's not do anything right now. You know, he's okay. He doesn't mind banging in walls. He's not hurting himself. <laughs> Well, so we took him back home, and in time, it took him, I can't remember exactly, but it took a couple of months, he stopped banging into walls. And you would see, he would almost do a march walk, like counting his steps, and make right angle turns to go from one room into the other. And right through the middle of where the doorway was, he would go right through there. He learned from banging on walls, he had a map in his head. Hmm. It was truly, truly amazing to see. Like, how can that be? Um, and no one knew he was blind. That's the other thing. They, people would visit the house. Ricky would go up to them and lick them and, you know, be very affectionate with them. And, um, and when we say, yeah, Ricky's blind, they would say, oh, how can that be? You're kidding. You know, he's partially blind. No, he's completely blind. You know, And so... Um, the only thing was interesting with Ricky was, 
he's about the size of Toby, actually. You know, about 12, 14 pounds. Whenever the, we'd all be watching TV, and whenever the phone rang, and my father had to go up to get the phone, Ricky would make a charge at him and try to bite his ankle. And my, after a while, my father knew to jump out of the way. Like when he got up to answer the phone, it gave Toby a chance to do one jump at him. Not Toby, Ricky. Uh, one jump at him. And then Ricky would be okay. And my father could continue on to the phone. But what was going on in his head, I don't know. Maybe the blindness. Maybe he thought that ringing of the phone meant something. You know, I, I don't know. You know how they say the hearing is accentuated as a sense when you lose one sense to just vision. So it maybe, must have been a lot of work, though, Steve, taking care of a handicapped dog. Jeff, there was there was no work at all. Really? Never. I never had to pick him up. I never had to do anything. As a matter of fact, my father had business um, in the Bahamas. Uh, at that point, he would, he would be what they called junkets uh, back then, and that was in the seventies, uh, where um, they would bring gamblers in New York down to the Bahamas uh, to gamble. Uh, you know, and they get first class air, first class hotel, and they get them down there. And and so I went with my father several times, and I take Ricky each time. Wow. Yeah, he loved it. Put it, you know, uh, we had a special cage that the airlines let us put under the seat, sort of thing, or under our feet. And um, but one, one, one. And we used to, in the morning, run along the beach in the Bahamas. You know, it was in Paradise Island now. That's, that's you know, the go-to place uh, these days. But back then it was fancy also, but it was a little more lax. It was more fun. But so we'd run along the beach. And he would just run in a gallop, trusting me, running behind me. You know, and then I'd run close. We'd run along the shore, and then I'd run a little bit sometimes right along in the water and he would run right through the water too. You know, the water was like, a, you know, maybe two inches, you know, but he would love it, you know? And um, so one, one night at the hotel, uh, I was sitting there with my father at one of the restaurants and we knew they were on the island. The Beatles were on the island. It was filming um, something down there. And sitting at a table not far from us is Ringo Starr. Wow. Very recognizable. You know, and, and his girlfriend, I think it, was, it may have been his wife, actually. I'm not sure. But um, nobody bothered him. That's not the thing to do, you know. But this one um, young man walked with a limp. You could tell he maybe had cerebral palsy or the like. And he went up to his table, to Ringo Starr's table to ask for an autograph. And Ringo Starr sort of put, chased him away. Said, no, <laughs> no, you know, we don't do autographs. It was sort of sad, you mm. know, this poor guy. So I, it gave me a negative view of Ringo. But as I understood later on in life, you know, celebrities don't want to be bothered. And if he gives us uh, an autograph to one kid, no matter what condition they're in, Others are going to come up next, you know. 
So anyway, the following morning, I was running along the beach with Toby. It was like eight o'clock in the morning. And walking towards us on the beach, we could see him maybe, you know, half a football uh, field long, maybe you know, 50 yards away, walking towards us with his, with his girlfriend. And there I am running with Ricky towards them. So Ringo stops to pet to uh, Ricky. And I, I stop with Ricky, you know, and, and Ringo said, may I pet him, please? You know, I go, pardon my English accent. And I said, well, of course, um, of course you can. And he said, wow, what a cute dog. May I pick him up? I go, yeah, sure. You know, I said, but let me just say something to you. He says, what's that? I said, Ricky has no vision. And he says, he has what? No vision. He can't see, Ringo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's blind, Ringo. <laughs> and he says, oh, he's blind, you say. And I go, well, how does he run like that? I go, well, his legs are, you know, incapacitated. And he doesn't know he's blind. You know, he just doesn't know. He right. came blind when he was one year old. He says, how interesting. He says, and, and he, he must have so much trust to do this. He says, I would never know this. And he said, this is amazing, you know. And I said, thank you for saying that. But so he says, okay, I'll let you guys continue your run. And he put Toby down, you know, and he finished running. But I thought that was the coolest thing. Now, there he was, Ringo Starr, looking just like Ringo Starr, you know. And he had the rings on. He had like, I don't know, like nine, nine or ten. No, he had eight. He had everything but his thumb. And um, so, so anyway, so um, Ricky, Ricky was a cool dog. That's how I could say. He was just absolutely cool. He, he didn't let that handicap. And again, he didn't know he was handicapped. So it just goes to show you, if somebody's raising a dog that has a handicap of sorts, um, you know, uh, don't give up on them. They'll, they'll adapt, you know. Um, and this is so much in contrast to my other dog, to Toby, who his handicap put him in pain, you know. Mm. So, you know, but, but and, and actually the time that we found out that Ricky, you know, was blind after the vet looked at him way back, we had a discussion, should we put him to sleep? Because he's gonna bang into things. And when you asked, you know, gee, did you have a hard time taking care of him? And I said, no, the answer is no, he adapted. We even moved one time, moved the whole family to another place. And the first few weeks there, he would bump into walls again, because of a different layout. But he learned again how to avoid bumping into things. And it was just a joy to see. Um, the only then, so I, um, I noticed that he had on his um, right hind side a um, under his skin, like it felt like um, like a boil, you know, fluid filled something. I wasn't a doctor then, of course, but um, but it didn't hurt him. If you touch him, it didn't hurt him. And I figured, just just leave him. Um, we might have brought him to a vet, uh, but I didn't want him to, I don't know, maybe we did, but probably did. 
So I went away to college after a while. And my first year in college, um, I came home <laughs> for Thanksgiving. And I said, um, where's Ricky? Ricky, come here, Ricky. And there's no Ricky. My father says, oh, there's something we got to tell you. Uh, we had to put Ricky to sleep. I go, what? Oh. Put him to sleep. He says, well, he had that thing on his back. I, he says, you know, and it seemed to get larger. I said, Dad, but did it hurt him? No, it didn't hurt him. I go, well, what the hell did you put him to sleep for? And so I was, I was totally upset, you know. It, it must have traumatized you. Jeff, it did. It, it did. I felt, um, betrayed? I, I, I'm sorry? Betrayed? But that's the word. I felt betrayed that they didn't tell me. They could have waited. They knew Thanksgiving was coming. I think that's what my father said. He wanted to spare me the decision. <laughs> so I said, okay, right. I said, so are you going to give away all my stuff <laughs> before I get uh, home? Uh, uh, not tell me? Uh, because you don't you want to spare my feelings? I said, Dad, you know, he says, he says, it's too late now. And I go, I know it's too late. <laughs> but it didn't have to happen. So anyway, so I miss him terribly. Toby was also, I'm sorry, I keep calling him Toby. In my mind, I see the same dog. Isn't that funny? That's like, interesting. It's also the same. Sometimes you I felt. Love, you were in love twice with, with these dogs. Yeah. And I had read that. And it sounds, you know, a little off the charts that dogs are new owners of another dog. Their old dog would somehow, their soul, and I say it sounds crazy to a scientist guy like me, um, would, in, would inhabit the new dog's um, soul or in some way be back with you. They miss wow. you. And, um, and I swear... I believed it, and maybe I, you know, talked myself into it. But I, I swear, and I would call him Ricky every once in a while. I'd call, you know, call Toby Ricky um, when I, you know, and um, it, it, yeah, it, he behaved like Ricky, made us laugh like Ricky. I'm sure it didn't happen. His soul went into it, but you know, that's not explainable. But so see, it's metaphysical type of thing. You're, you're saying that you never got an opportunity to say goodbye to Ricky. But, you know, Ricky never got an opportunity to say goodbye to you. Jeff, that is insightful. I've thought that to Rick. I was his master of all the people in our family. Yes. I was the one who took him out, bought him treats. Yeah, right. And I felt bad about that, too. Didn't have a kiss him goodbye or go to the back with him. Right. I even said to him, how'd you put him to sleep? What did you do with him? You know? Right. I said, did you bring him to a vet? He says, no, we didn't have to bring him to a vet. I said, so what did you do with Ricky? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He wouldn't never tell me. told you? Your dad never no, told me. No. He said, you don't need to know. I go, what do you mean? <laughs> so I only thought the most you know, heinous thing you might have done to him. I don't know what he I think he was capable of that. But, um, yeah, so anyway. Wow. wow. That, was, that was my Ricky story. And again, the, 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 the 
why I'm enjoying your idea of podcast. I, I think it's ingenious. People love their pets. They absolutely love them. And in my mind, I, I had cats at, um, during um, a period of my life. And I love them, but there's something about a dog that uh, you just get more channeled with. You, you, you really feel their um, existence and, and that they're amazing brains and, uh, and how they can reason. And they, they're not like, uh, not like, they're sentient, you know, they, they, they know their surroundings and they, they uh, understand things and they remember things. Um, the, the example is, the, Ricky um, remembering the layout of each of the houses we lived in. But after a while, he learned it. That was how to be learning. Yeah. 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 Whether it was learning trial and error rate, you know, every time he bumped into a wall, he registered, doesn't matter. He had a map in his head. And that's a little. That's, yeah. Isn't that something? That is very, yes. So stories like that, Jeff, and stories like your brandy, if if we didn't tell them to the world in a way, you know, let let it out anyway, um, uh, the viewers would, would, would never, or listeners would never hear these stories, and a, and a lot of the, the viewers, I believe, will be able to relate to it, you know, one way or the other. Well, that's, that's see, why I started the podcast, because I didn't want these stories to die with me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But as a learned person, Jeff. Yes. You know? Oh, did I tell you where I get my residency of six years of surgery? No. It's at Harvard. <laughs> oh, there you go. That was my reason to come to Boston. That, that's right. Well, you're a, you're a learned man. You mentioned that you had a story about an old patient. What was that? I had a lot of old patients. Well, something about, um, uh, I think it's something about an old patient's um, uh, dog or something you, you, you just thought of. Just thought of the story. When I first told you yeah, about it. Uh, yes. Um, uh, a patient, I guess, bought a dog. A story about a patient buying a dog or something. No, it's okay. Ah, no, I can't recall. Well, that's okay. We'll save it. We'll save it for uh, for next time. But it's important these stories, Steve, uh, are out there because once once now that they're recorded and once I upload it, upload them, um, and they'll go to Spotify and iTunes. They're there forever. For anyone to to listen to. Ah. How do I look, by the way? Steve, you you never looked better. Well, I wore this. I have green eyes, so it, can you see that my eyes are green on this? Uh, yes, actually, yes. That's a yeah. great shirt. Better to you. Yes. Uh, yeah. You've got green eyes and a green shirt. And when I upload this to YouTube, they'll they'll see it. So this will go on YouTube and and everything. Steve, those are being recorded too. Video and audio, both. So right now. Right now. Yes. Stuff we're saying now. Absolutely. 
Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'll end this. Um, first of all, um, thank you for sharing those stories. I, I, I can only imagine based on my stories with Brandy that it, it's, it's got to be painful to remember uh, and to share because you've got to be, it puts you in a vulnerable state because dogs are such a, a, a part of our lives. And when you lose one, either because they're ill or they die accidentally, I mean, there's a, there's a deep, profound loss there. And I appreciate you digging deep and, and bringing that, uh, bringing that out because I, I, as you mentioned, people go through this all the time and uh, it's, it's excruciatingly painful. Well, I want to thank you for asking me to do this. I was uh, happy to. And I have to say to you, after sharing these two stories, there's something cathartic about it. I, right presently, I, I feel better. Either right. I was, I was feeling down about this, uh, uh, this pandemic we're going through, but uh, right now, I, I feel uplifted. It was good. It got let me to- let me ask you, Steve. And I don't. I forget whether you can have a dog in your in your condo. But have you thought about getting another getting a dog? It, it, they don't allow it in the um, in the condo bylaws. You can't have oh. it. Um, so I wish I did. But you know, yeah, um, yeah. No, I never got another dog. That would be good because I bet you Ricky and Toby would enter his soul. You know, wouldn't that be? It'd be crowded in there. <laughs> it, would be, it would be crowded, but they'd have a ball with you. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, one thing about you, Jeff, you're a cool guy. You're, 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 Jeff. I don't know if, when I first joined Masonry, you were a year senior to me, and you had the responsibility to teach me um, the cipher. Yes. Your listeners may not know, but we have rituals uh, that we have to go through in order to, um, it's three degrees that we have to go through. And uh, there's very formal rituals. And, um, and and you have to do it by memory. Yes. And, and you, you, you sat down and did very patient with me and so and I appreciate I appreciate you being a good friend especially during these times how we call each other and just to check in on each other well we've we've got to you know we've we've got to do that Steve and you're a very good friend of mine and I appreciate you um I appreciate you sharing these stories and in case anyone's wondering about the Masons the rituals are they're 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 above board there's no weird stuff they're like they're like um theatrical productions that you participate in, but they teach lessons to be a better person. And um, uh, so it was my pleasure to help, but, but you're always welcome, Steve, to come. I hope you'll come back because your ability to, to, to tell an emotional story uh, is really um, uh, impressive and unbelievable. And I, I'm sure you'll be thinking about more stories about um, Ricky or Toby or, uh, and um, you're always welcome to, However long, you're always welcome to come back. My hermit crabs. <laughs> hermit crabs, but, you know, it's not, they weren't dogs. But, and they weren't fun. They were, 
They weren't funny. Nothing's like a dog, though. There's nothing like because they, they're intelligent. They they are thinkers. They are. Why well, I, I had read that um, that when a dog looks in your eyes, the, there's a chemical reaction in the human brain that is the same as when you look at your partner when you're in love. There's something about that connection which they're just now trying to understand. Um, so so there's a it's not just sort of an emotional, there's a biological connection that we have to a dog. Um, do you, you know, I, 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 sometimes I end these interviews. Do you remember, and this is usually how I kind of wrap up one of my last questions. Do you remember the moment in time when either with, with, um, with Ricky or um, Toby, that the actual second when you fell in love with them? Was there you know, yeah, you know, I, 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 when you say that, um, I, I'd have to say, you know, seeing him eye to eye. Yeah, it's funny you said that. Yeah. But. Well, great. Oh, great. Before Toby went blind. Yes. Um, yes. Well, Steve, thank you for joining us. I'm sure people really, um, really loved it. I. I hope um, the people that are listening, when you're when you're listening, give us a um, a rating and give us some comments, and certainly um, subscribe. Uh, we're on all the major platforms: iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google, uh, etc. And you can find us there. Um, we're uploading a lot of uh, uh, upcoming episodes, and I hope this gives you a feel of. Um, uh, of what we're uh, what we're doing. So so thank you, thank you, Steve. And thank you, uh, Jeff. Again, uh, I appreciate it. And um, you're doing a great thing. I think it's a phenomenal idea. I, I, who would have dreamt this? This is great. I think it was Brandy that led you to this. I think I think it was. Thanks. <laughs>